Man, wow. You can stay standing for a minute. It's going to be a good night tonight, y'all. Holy cow, I feel it. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think my, my one ask of you is that you would just open up your heart for a moment, right? You're here. Um, maybe it's like your first time coming to church and some guy is a bald meathead with the Hawaiian shirt is on stage. You're like, what am I doing here? It's a great question. Uh, but, but I believe that the Lord like designed your, your week and your day to get you to this place. And, and so my one ask is that you would just like kind of go palms up tonight and say, God, like, man, whatever you want to do, I give you tonight to do in my life whatever you want to do. And, and he could call you. He could, he could sit you. He could convict you. He could challenge you. He could encourage you. Um, maybe you walked in here. You don't really know what you need, but the Lord does. And he's watched your life today. He's seen what's gone on, and he knows exactly what you need. So can we just open up our hearts to the Lord today? Can we do that? All right. Hey, hug someone's neck. You can take a seat. Tell them you think they're cute. So we've been in this, uh, this series, Summer at YA, and uh, we, we've been kind of going through the attributes of Jesus Christ, because a lot of people uh, say to us, we don't understand anything about God. Well, if you look at the stories of Jesus and his interactions with people, it gives you a very clear depiction of, of who God is. And so we've been talking through all sorts of stuff, um, and this message has, I've been working on it for two months. Keaton, thank you for setting me up to... Uh, Better be the best message you ever heard in your life as I've been working on it for two months. Uh, I've been thinking about it for a couple months, working on it for, for the past few days. Um, but uh, but I'm, I'm really expectant for tonight and really believing, uh, mostly because I've just been challenged by that. But I want to read out of Philippians chapter 2. And Paul here is talking about uh, Jesus Christ and his humility and how Jesus Christ humbled himself and came to this earth and even humbled himself even more to, to die on the cross. And Paul is saying that because Jesus did this, this now is what's taking place. So, so Jesus submitted himself to the cross and then Philippians chapter two, verse nine through 11, it says, therefore God exalted him, him being Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Therefore, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. Can I get an amen? That at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That on this earth or after this earth, every single person who has ever stepped foot on this planet will bow a knee and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Tonight I want to talk about Jesus Christ is Lord. If you want to underline that, highlight that. And my question that I want you to, to ponder tonight is who or what is Lord over my life right now? Who or what is Lord over my life? Because whoever or whatever is Lord over your life will dictate the way of your life, will dictate the freedom of your life, will dictate the path of your life. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much for um, all that you are, God. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your cross. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your truth, your mercy, your gentleness, Lord God. We thank you for all the things that you are. And Lord, we trust you. We give this night to you. And everybody says,
Amen, amen, amen. Well, y'all feel good? I feel good? A little shimmy? Question. Um, is there anybody in here where you, you have kind of a little bit of trouble with authority? Like, you, 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 you have trouble giving in to authority. Anybody, come on, just, just be honest. Not that you get in trouble with, like, the law, but you just, like, have, 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 have some trouble with authority. Not that you are, are, are disrespectful or, or, or you don't honor people, uh, but, but when it comes to, like, life, you kind of want to do life your way. When someone tells you to do something, you're like, nah, I'm going to do it how I want to do it, right? Anybody? Okay, so I was thinking about it this week. Uh, if you raise your hand, you are a lot like my wife. I got permission. Uh, my, my, my wife is amazing, uh, but my wife is one of those kind of people who, who like to pave her own way, okay? Uh, when it comes to authority, she's like, eh, I don't know. I'm going to kind of do it how I want to do it, right? Uh, her, her mom says, even from a young girl, that Jerrica loved to pave her own way. She loved to do life how she wanted to do it. If you told her to do something one way, she was going to do it the other way and at full force, okay? So authority is something that she's like, mm, I don't know. I'll do things how I want. Well, this came to full effect last summer when I uh, bought tickets for her birthday to a concert, this little small concert uh, done by Taylor Swift. Wow, some haters in here. Wow. That's all right. My wife will fight you. So I, I get her tickets for her birthday to go to this Taylor Swift concert. And, and, and I realized from the get-go the predicament that I'm in. First of all, I had to empty out my 401k to pay for the stinking tickets. But we, we, we get to the, the concert. We get to uh, the Denver Broncos Stadium, and I realized that's me and 70,000 women. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be a really interesting time. We're going to see how this goes. So we get to the stadium, and we walk in, and me and my wife get in a fight immediately because she wants some Taylor Swift merchandise, but it's $400 for a T-shirt. And so I said, no. And... And we go to our seats. And you know how you spend a lot of money on seats? You kind of expect them to be amazing seats. Well, we get there, and, and we were kind of uninterested in, in our seats. And I could tell my wife was being very gracious, but I could tell she's like, I don't, I don't really like these seats. They're, I feel further away than I was anticipating. And so I'm already feeling like a failure for her birthday. And, and so we're sitting there, and, uh, and the girl who sings Havana, Havana, she... She's singing, and my wife was like, look, we need better seats. I'm like, babe, we, this, the place is full. We can't get any more seats. She's like, I'm going to get us better seats. So I watch my wife, and she walks down. She walks down about 40 rows, and, and I see her talking to this, this old security guard. He's probably like 65 years old, and I see her putting her hand on his arm. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Schmoozing this guy. I'm like, whatever. We get good seats. You know what I'm saying? Hey. But, we're, uh, but I'm watching her, and, and supposedly she's having this conversation with the guy. She's like, hey, I see these seats are reserved, but no one's sitting in them. He said, well, you, you can't sit there reserved. She's like, well, why not? He said, they're reserved. She said, well, he's like, you need to sit back there. She said, well, I don't want to sit back there. I want to sit right here. And so he doesn't let her, but she calls me. She's like, give me a second. I'm going to go find some other seats. Well, my wife calls me. About five minutes later, she says, come down to section 132. She's like, I got us seats. She's like, but act like the, these are our seats. So she completely goes against the authority of these people, the entire stadium of Taylor Swift, right, against the security guard. And we go to these seats. 
And, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm one of those people where, like, when, when I cut in line or I'm sitting in, like, a reserve seat the whole time, I'm, like, just thinking, they're going to come. It's going to be so awkward. It's so uncomfortable. She's like, I don't care. I don't care. So we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, the, the lights go dark, and all people just start screaming. And all of a sudden, the, the backlight hits on the stage, and I hear this, boom, boom, boom. Are you ready for it? And, and my, my wife, my wife turns to me, she goes, like this blood-curdling scream. And then she's singing at the top of her lungs and looking back at me like, are you singing? Are you enjoying watching us singing this? You know, the friend in the car when you're like, sing along with me. It makes me happy. So my wife is screaming her head off. And I, I, th I think we have a, a, we have a picture. Do you have a picture? There she is. Look at her. So, so we snuck down. So all of a sudden, my, my wife was like, I'm not close enough. I'm like, Jerrica, can you just be satisfied, please, for the love of God? Like, She's like, I have to, I have to get close, closer to Taylor. So, so my wife somehow sneaks through everything and all these security guards and all these people, and my wife gets to the front row of the Taylor Swift concert. Yes, good job, babe. And I'm just sitting there. Like, now I'm by myself. Now I'm the creepy bald guy with a Hawaiian shirt watching Taylor Swift with a bunch of women, okay? Went against all authority. My, my wife, she loves to play by her own rules. She will say, no one is Lord over me. I am Lord over myself, okay? No, she's not. She wouldn't say that she is. But, but, but we were talking about that. We were, we were laughing about this story last night, and, and we were talking about this, this thought, this, this word, authority. And, and, and we were talking about how I think that we live in this culture where being under authority almost feels like a cultural taboo, right? Like being under authority, being under the authority of someone or government or whatever it might be just makes, it, makes us feel like they're trying to hold us down, right? We, we live in a culture where we love autonomy, where we love to be independent. We, being under authority feels like a cultural taboo. And what's interesting, especially about this room, is that a lot of you in here, you are on the back end of being a millennial, Okay, but then there's a lot of people in this room where you're on the front end of being Generation Z. So this room is filled with a bunch of 20-somethings where, uh, where your generations are colliding. And they, what people would say about this generation is that this generation is the most private generation that we've ever seen. The most private generation, hence uh, sliding into DMs, Tinder, Snapchat, a very private generation. In, in other words, this generation, we do what we want, how we want when we want, and we don't want anybody to tell us that we can't. Don't at me, right? Like, don't tell me I can't do something. Don't tell me I can't dress like that. Don't tell me I can't talk like that. Don't tell me I can't be this or do that. Our culture screams, be you. Do you, boo, and don't let anybody tell you that you can't. You are Lord over yourself. Our culture screams that, encourages that, preaches that, that you are Lord over yourself, that you are under your own authority. Now hear me. That's fine and all when it comes to culture in the world that we live in, but when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, freedom will not be found living outside of his authority. 
Freedom will not be found living outside of Jesus's lordship. Now, uh, John Mark Comer from the book Loveology that, that we read as a summer reading a couple months ago, he says this, although Satan tries to convince us, Satan is the father of lies, he'll lie to us, cheat, try to convince us that liberty is found in doing what we want, true freedom is acquired through submission to Christ's loving lordship. Look, you think that you have freedom by doing what you want, how you want, but the things that are outside of Christ's lordship and his authority are actually lord over you. You, you, you think that you're, you're free. You think that you're doing what you want, but the things that you're doing, if they're outside of Christ's lordship and his authority, those things actually become lord over you. See, culture, it screams, you are lord over your own life. Freedom is found in you doing what you want to do. You have authority. Now, Scripture screams, okay, we talk about this all the time, that the kingdom of God is upside down, that culture goes one way, and Jesus Christ in the Bible and the word of God goes another way. Scripture screams that Jesus Christ is Lord, and freedom is found when we come under the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's different. Our, our, our world operates different, thinks different, speaks differently. And I think you might be sitting in here, and, and what I might be saying might be frustrating to you. It might bother you a little bit. Because I think that this topic of Jesus is Lord and Jesus having authority and lordship is difficult. Because we live in a culture where living your best life is doing what you want. Just living my best life over here, doing what I want, how I want. And so for us to proclaim that Jesus is Lord over my life is very difficult for some of us to do. Now, proclaiming Jesus is healer, Jesus is hope, Jesus is peace, Jesus is joy, right? We could scream that from the rooftops all day long. Even if you don't really believe much in Jesus, you might still believe that about Jesus. We, we, we probably, most of us believe that Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Savior. Look, Jesus is my Savior? Absolutely. Jesus as my Lord? Mm, I don't know about that. I love Jesus as my Savior, but as my Lord, I'm not sure that that's something that I want to dive into. And here's why. Because Jesus as Savior, hear me, this is important. Jesus as Savior requires nothing of me. Because Jesus already did everything for us, right? Jesus went to the cross. He, he died for our sins, for our sins. Not his sins, but for our sins. He, he went to the cross, right? Jesus as Savior requires nothing of me. Jesus as Lord requires everything of me. Je Jesus as Savior, there is forgiveness, there is grace, there is mercy, there is eternity in heaven. But Jesus as Lord is a complete reorientation of everything about my life. Jesus as Savior requires nothing. Jesus as Lord requires everything. See, many people view Jesus as just their Savior and great. That, 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 that's so important that, that for God so the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, this earth to, to, to be a ransom, to pay the debt that we could not pay, that Jesus came to this earth not to condemn the world, but to save the world, that, that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. If, if all you do is walk out of here and you trust and you believe and you put your faith that Jesus is Savior, praise God. That will be amazing. You will walk out of here with a life different here on earth and eternity in heaven. That's amazing. 36 times in the Bible, it describes Jesus as Savior. 
But even more than that, in the New Testament, it describes Jesus over 700 times as Lord. It doesn't mean that Lord is more important than Savior, but they are in in tandem in a duo with one another. But what we try to do sometimes is take the things that I like about Jesus over here, take the things that I like about Jesus over here, and fit it into my life and my box however I want to. But Jesus is Savior, but Jesus is Lord. See, look, Lord isn't just another name for Jesus. Lord is a description of who Jesus is. It's a description of who Jesus is. Jesus is Lord means that Jesus is God. He is ruler. He has all authority. He has all power. Matthew 28, 18 says he holds all authority in heaven and earth. It says that Jesus, he sits at the right hand of God. (laughs) What? If I just puked all over you guys in front of But it says that Jesus sits at the right hand of God. That God exalted him to the highest place and no name comes before his name. That the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the head of the church. You see, sometimes I think that we love to look at our, our Sunday school version of, of Jesus, the, the, the white guy, wasn't white, but the white guy with, with brown hair and, and blue eyes petting a little lamb, right? And, and that's amazing. But Jesus, you have to understand, is all-knowing is all powerful, that he defeated death, he defeated the grave. At the name of Jesus, demons shudder and darkness has to flee. Look, yes, Jesus is Savior, but do not be mistaken. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, and Jesus wants to be your Savior, but once he's your Savior, he he desires and is jealous to be your Lord. He wants that because he knows you need it. He doesn't need you to call him Lord. He knows you need to. Listen, how we view Jesus will dictate his place in our lives. And his place in our lives will dictate our freedom in life. How we view Jesus, it'll it'll dictate where we place him in our life. And where we place him in our life will dictate our freedom, our way, our path. Here's the reality, and this is important, this is what I'm trying to get to. Is that if Jesus is not placed as Lord over your life, then that means something else is. Think about it. If Jesus is not placed as Lord over your life, then that means that something else is. Let me, let me, let me do a little illustration for you. I got my, my tools back here, all right? So we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's awesome. It's powerful. We have this moment with Jesus. You come to a young adult's or a retreat. Sign up for the retreat, $135 in the September. Do it. Um, you change your life. Uh, if you need a scholarship, talk to Zach. It, so we come in a relationship. We have these moments with Jesus, and Jesus, it, it, it's so powerful. It's so amazing. And, and so when we look at our life, we put Jesus at the priority of our life. We put Jesus at the top of our life. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Jesus, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to send me, whatever you want to do in my life, Jesus, send me, and I will go. Tell me how high to jump, and I will do it. Lord, tell me whatever you want me to do, and I will do that. We put Jesus at the top of our life. But then all of a sudden, other things kind of start to creep into our life, right? Because we're human beings, we have struggles, we have wants, we have desires, and we chase a lot of other things in life. So all of a sudden, we get a new job, and this job starts paying out. And this job starts giving a little bit more back to you. 
And the more that your job gives you, the more that you desire it. And the more that you get a taste of success and a taste of money and what money can bring you and the status that it can bring you, the more all of a sudden your desire for money, your desire for finances, your desire for more money in your checking and savings account begins to replace Jesus as Lord. And over time, this becomes Lord of your life. Money. And you don't have to be a millionaire to... to, for money to run your life. You, you could be dirt poor, but money could still be the thing that you desire and you want most, and you desire it more than Jesus Christ. Or, for some of y'all, maybe it's you're working at your new job. And you're working at this new job, but then all of a sudden, like people are starting to, to validate you make you feel good, and, and all of a sudden, like, you have this desire to just move up and, and be promoted, and all your efforts, all your energy, all your resources, all your time, all your hope and your value goes into trying to get yourself to a place within your job, within your business, where people notice you, because if people notice you, your value increases. And, and so all of a sudden, little by little, maybe different, different things change, but the Lord begins to move a little bit further down, and we begin to put different things at the top of our priority. Maybe for you, it's, dear Lord, this is, I was not planning on this. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. <laughs> Maybe for you, there's a real one, body image. Like you, you have given everything you have to look the way you want, and this isn't just going to the gym, but, but, but this, is, this is all sorts of things that all of a sudden, like you, your deepest desire in life is to look a certain way, is to be a certain way, is for people to look at you and be attracted to you, like you want to be desired and wanted, and so everything you do revolves around this, and at one point, you had Jesus as Lord, you had Jesus as the, as the, the top of your list and your priority, but then little by little, the things about your body image and the things about who you are and who you want to be and how you want people to view you becomes the top of your priority. Maybe for you, this is a good one, it's your relationships. (laughs) Yo, I got an African-American woman right here. Come on. Hey, Jesus loves diversity. Amen. Come on. Hey, did you all know that millennials are the most diverse marriages ever? And so Generation Z is the most diverse families ever. Hey, we're moving along, y'all. Come on. This will be good. It's good. Feel uncomfortable holding these. But come on, let's, let's be real, right? Like you, you love Jesus, you desire a relationship with Jesus, you have an awesome relationship with him, but then all of a sudden that person comes into your life. And your desire for that person, your desire for that relationship becomes so much more important to you than your desire for the Lord. It's not that you don't love Jesus anymore, but your desire for it begins to change. And then... The more you get physical with this person, the more your intimacy becomes skewed. 
And the more your intimacy becomes skewed, the more you desire more from this person. And your whole life is wrapped up in, in this person, what they think of you. And when they break up with you, your life is completely destroyed because you have put this relationship at a pedestal in your life and as the focus in your life. And Jesus has made his way down the list. Maybe for you, we didn't light it up. But it's the pleasures of this world. Like, like pleasures have become your driving factor about everything in your life. You love Jesus. You desire a relationship with him. But you desire the status. You desire the pleasures. You desire the females. You desire the males. You desire whatever it might be. You desire going out, doing things, clubbing, all the kind of thing. And I'm not saying that all those things are bad in and of themselves, but when these things become the target, that's when it becomes difficult. Little by little, all of a sudden, we can take a look at our life, and our life is in a really strange order, and the things that we're focusing on are a little bit more skewed than what God initially created us to focus on. Listen, these things in and of themselves are not all bad. I'm, I, I'm not saying that, that to try to work hard and get a promotion at work is bad. Don't hear that. I'm not saying that money is, is bad and that, it, that it's just gonna bring evil to your life. I'm not saying that relationships are bad. God desires so many of these things for your life. But when these things become the targets of your fulfillment, and they become the focus of your value, that's when it becomes a problem. Because listen here, this is important. Uh, point number one right here. What you focus on, you worship. What, what you focus on, you worship. Mary Oliver, this, this famous American poet, she said, attention is the beginning of adoration. So whatever I put my attention on, the longer that I put my attention on these things, the, the, the more I'm gonna bring, it's gonna bring adoration to my life, and the more I focus on it, the more that I will begin to worship it, right? Well, whatever you have placed here in your life, whatever it might be, it has taken your affection. It's taken your attention. And it has, it has created so much, and it has taken so much of your energy so much of your time, so much of your resources to keep up with this kind of lifestyle that you feel brings the most value to your life. Matthew 6.21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasure is uh, what you choose to value, what you choose to invest in, put your hope in. And wherever your treasure is, lies your heart. And this, for so many of you, you've invested so much, so this is where your heart lies. But also the Bible says, guard your heart for everything you do out of your heart flows from it. So think about this. Our treasure is where our heart is at. So this is our treasure, our heart is at. And then everything we do flows from our heart. So all your decisions, all the things you think about, all the stuff under here falls under what you put your focus on. What you focus on, you worship. And the second point is this, is that what you worship is your Lord. What you worship is your Lord. Now here's where the tension comes in for a lot of believers in here. That we've put so much focus on different things of our life that we've begun to worship these things. 
And the more things that we worship, the more they become our Lord. And that's why we all of a sudden feel so much tension in our life. Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two lords. No one can worship two lords. Either you hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. It goes on to say, you cannot serve both God and money. Jesus can't be Lord as long as the relationship is Lord. Jesus can't be Lord as long as the pleasures are Lord. Jesus can't be Lord as long as your finances, your body image, whatever it might be, fill in the blank for you. As long as those things are Lord, Jesus cannot be. And the Bible is very clear that God is jealous for us, that God wants all of our attention, that God wants all of our adoration, all of our focus, and all of our worship. And when there is conflict, there will be conflict within your heart and within your soul when you find yourself fighting between Jesus as Lord or other things that Lord as Lord. And here's what's gonna happen. It's more times than not, you're gonna end up viewing Jesus as just something that gets in the way of the life that you wanna live. You can't serve two masters. And if you find yourself fighting this desire to put all your focus and your worship on other things of life, then you're gonna look at Jesus. You're gonna have a hard time coming to church. You're gonna have a hard time worshiping, reading your Bible, because Jesus will be pulling at your heartstrings, talking to you, speaking to you, but you'll feel like he's just getting in the way of the life that you're trying to live. You can't serve two masters. You'll love one, you'll despise the other. Oftentimes, Jesus loses out. What you worship is your Lord. And then third is this. Your Lord aligns your life. What you focus on, you worship. What you worship is your Lord, and your Lord aligns your life. Think about it. Everything you put at the top here, everything else aligns underneath it. So if this becomes your target, if this is where your treasure is, all your energy and effort will be poured towards this, and then everything else will change about the rest of your life. If my relationship is my Lord, then all of a sudden my, my work, I'm going to probably work less hours. I'm going I'm to think less about my work, what God has called me to this place to, to, to work hard. I'm going to think more about my relationship. My finances, instead of saving, I'm going to be thinking about spending more money on this person to, to hold my relationship. Does that make sense? Like whatever, whatever we put up here, everything else falls in line underneath whatever we choose to be Lord. Look, some of you, you sitting here tonight, and you wonder why your life, you have so much tension. You wonder why your life feels all out of sorts. You wonder why your life feels so out of order. And I'm here to tell you tonight, it's because your life is out of order. Your life, it's as simple as that. Your life feels out of order because your life is out of order. Because all of your decisions that you've made in this past season of life, or your entire life, or this past week, have all been made as, with this as your throne. All your decisions in life about, about relationships and people and God and church and all sorts of things, it, 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 all of it has been falling under your relationships at your throne or money at your throne, and you wonder why your life feels off. You wonder why there's tension. The thing is, is that these things, everything in your life will always fight to be number one. Think about it. Everything in your life will always fight to be number one. 
That, that, that job, if you give it all your attention and adoration, it will take it. Finances, if you give it all your attention and adoration, it will take it. Like everything in life is fighting to be number one, and it promises you, it lures you in that if you give me all that you have, you'll have fulfillment that you can't find anywhere else. But, but can, I, can I tell you this? That God will never send anything or anyone your way to replace him. Can, can, can I hear that? God will never send anything or anyone in your life to replace him. Now, now, now God, God will send you blessings. God will send you promotions. God will send you relationships. God will send you all, all sorts of things, but he wants you to prioritize them in the right place. He never puts anything in your life to be Lord over your life. He'll never give you anything to replace him. You see, Jesus says towards the end, after he, he says a few things in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about worrying in life. He's saying, don't worry about this, don't worry about this, don't, don't worry about that, don't worry about this relationship, what you'll wear, what, you, what you'll do. But he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. I'm gonna put all sorts of things in your life. I, I, I wanna bless you. I wanna bring so much uh, fulfillment and satisfaction into your life. But seek me first in my kingdom, in my righteousness, in my glory, and all these things will make sense. They'll be added unto you. But we got it skewed. We got it all wrong. And we're missing the point. Look, when... Jesus is Lord. When you seek him first in his kingdom and his righteousness, when you seek him first, when Jesus is Lord, all of a sudden your priorities begin to change and you trust him with it. When Jesus is Lord, he, he, he might add certain things to your life. He might adjust certain things to your life. He may say, you know what? You need to lose some weight these days. You need to, you need to actually go to bed. You need to take care of yourself. And he'll begin to prioritize things. Like, hey, Andrew, I, I know that this relationship is really important to you, but you know what? I need you to put this at a different place. You've only been dating for a week, so you don't need to propose to her. <laughs> well, you know, Andrew, I need you to pay off some, some college debt, Right? Like when, when, when Jesus is Lord, like it, it begins to, to shift everything. Like, Andrew, I, I, I want you to, to enjoy your friends. I want you to enjoy the pleasures of, of, of the world. But you know what? Going out five times a week and getting lit all the stinking time isn't the healthiest for you. So, Andrew, I, I want you to, to enjoy life, but I want you to do it under my lordship. Does that make sense? Like when, when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, our priorities begin to change and our priorities begin to, to shift. We look at life different. When Jesus is Lord, our perspective begins to shift as well. So now, watch this. Instead of money and, and living life for the paycheck on Friday, we live life for the tithe on Sunday. Come on, think about it. Like, instead of living life for how much can I get in my bank account, we start living life with this money under lordship of Jesus. I'm gonna start looking for people who need help. And instead of work being about how can I get a promotion, how can I gain more influence at my job, how can I get more, get more, get more, when it comes under Jesus, he says, I'll give you the promotion in due time, but right now I need you to get more souls. So I've placed you in this job, in this workplace, to reach more people for me, right? Your, your perspective begins to shift. When it comes to your relationships, 
I'm just grabbing stuff left and right. I didn't really practice it, so you're getting what you're the first time, right? <laughs> when it comes to relationships, when Jesus is Lord over your life, it becomes so much less about what you can get from this person. You quit looking at this person for all your fulfillment and satisfaction. Because all you're going to do is just end up hurting this person in the first place because they're not human and they're going to hurt you one day. But, but we put so much energy into them. But when Jesus is Lord and our relationship has a rightful place, we begin to look at this relationship of what does God call me to be in this relationship? What kind of man has God called me to be when it comes to uh, my engagement with this female? It, it begins to change our perspective. When Jesus is Lord, we become so dependent on him and not dependent on other people or ourselves. Listen, when Jesus is Lord, you aren't. And that should be freeing to you. When Jesus Christ is Lord, you're not. And that should be so freeing for you. you, you you've been trying to be Lord over your life for quite a while now. How's that been working out for you? Not good. <laughs> Amen. When we trust that Jesus is Lord, we proclaim it, we live it, we walk it out. He says, trust in me with all your heart and lean what? Not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He may take things. He may, he may take the relationship. He may take the job. He, he may even take the finances. He, he, he may give you an injury where you can't work out anymore. He, he, may, he may give you all sorts of stuff. He, he may take away all the pleasures of this world. But if you still have Jesus, that's all that matters. But do you trust that Jesus is enough? The reality, you may never trust that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And sometimes Jesus will put us in a place where we have nowhere else to turn but Jesus, what does he say? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So he might take, you're feeling that right now, you're feeling that tension like, I feel like the Lord's just taken everything from my life. He's taken my job. He's made me move. He's taken my relationships. He's taken all sorts of stuff. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying right now to, to take it from, from being down here and living his life in the pit and living him, his life in the peak where you're looking to him and he's challenging you and changing you and working in your life. Don't take it as Jesus condemning you. Take it as Jesus trying to free you. Amen. Ben, you can come on up. Y'all good? Sorry, I've been yelling at you for 30 minutes. 35 minutes. Um, you know, I, I always love to, to let you guys into, into, like, my struggles and my story. I, 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 I refuse to be someone who preaches on the stage and pretend like I got my crap together. Um, I, I, work, I work hard. I, I try to read my Bible every day. I, I try to engage with the Lord. I try to be a good husband. I try to be a good father. I try to, try to be good and, and be righteous and be what God calls me to be. But um, I, I'm human. I sin. I struggle. I think wrong things sometimes. I, um, I, I drive on Wadsworth at 7 a.m. sometimes. So 
I'm not a Christian then. <laughs> but I, I, I don't want to stand up here and pretend like I, I've had, I've had my, my life together. I've, I've, I've shared a little bit of my story. Um, but a couple years ago, I, I was just in, 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 a, in a bad season of life. And uh, life was just out of order. Life was out of sorts. There was so much tension in my life. Uh, nothing felt like it was going right, and everything was being taken away from me. Literally before my eyes, everything was being stripped from me. Um, and I now can look back as the grace of God, but in, in, in the moment, I, it felt like God was just condemning me, hurt, hurting me. I felt like I did so. I, I sinned, I screwed up, so God was just taking life from me. And I now know that's not the truth, but I started going to see a counselor. And going to see a counselor is, is not weakness, okay? It's, it's, it's important. It's... Some of y'all have had so much crap happen in your life and no one knows about it. You have bottled it up for far too long, but it's, it's gonna come out at some point. So you need to go talk with people and deal with your stuff. Um, but it was a season of life where I started seeing a counselor and I was seeing this guy three times a week, y'all, okay? Three times a week. So a few hundred bucks a week I was seeing this guy, but I, I was so screwed up. I'm like, Lord, show me a sign. I need something. And so I'm going to this guy, and, and I'm just talking through life with him and just talking about um, my struggles in life and, and how I just feel like my life is in complete disarray. And, and I, I talked about this um, when, I, when I preached at the church uh, about, about a year ago. But my counselor, he told me, he's like, all right, I, go, I want you to go home, and I want you to do this exercise. He said, I want you to write down 50 of your deepest longings and desires. And I'm like, 50? What? I'm like, longings and desires? What does that mean? He's like, not things that like you, you dream about, but things when, when Andrew Matrone lays his head to rest at night. Like, what are the things that you, you deep down in your heart, you desire, you long for, and you want? And so I, I, I made this list, and I got to 31. And I, I thought I'd share a few with you, if I can be, be honest. Um, so some of my deepest thirsts and desires as, as a married pastor with a kid, the things that I, I, I longed for, um, to be needed, to be known, to be loved, to be happy, to feel no shame, to be noticed, to be accepted, to be fully satisfied and fulfilled, to have significance, to have security, to be successful, to feel important, to be manly enough, to have what it takes, to be valued. I, I wrote all these things down, and these were honest things that I was like, wow, I didn't realize how needy I was. Dear Lord. Um, but I, I, I'm sure a lot of you could say I agree with a lot of those things. If I really think about it, this is probably what I, this is my actual list. Um, so I, I brought it to him, and he said, okay, read them out loud to me. And then he said, okay, now I want you to write down another list. He said, I want you to write down another, the, the next list I want you to write is the things that you go to to fulfill all these things on your list. So he said, so I started saying things, writing a list like my wife. I go to my wife for, for her to fulfill all these things all the time. I go to um, my, my job. I, I, I go to uh, my body image. I was so involved in that. I, I, I was going to all these other things to fulfill all these things. So he said, okay, what, what I want you to do is I want you to put the list together. And he said, I, I want you to, to tell me how many of these ones over here fulfill some of these. And I realized that some of these could fulfill some of these, 
some of the times, but none of them could fulfill all of these things all of the time. Does that make sense? So all these things were temporary treatments for temporary solutions. And and I started to, to pray over this and God started to, to shift my heart and God started to, to, to reveal something to me. And what the Lord revealed to me was this, that these things that I was putting all my, all my hope into fulfilling me and satisfying, they could be my friends, but they could not be my Lord. They, they could be my friend. They could be things that I enjoy, but they could not be my Lord. It, it wasn't fair to, to, to my wife to to say, hey, fulfill all these things all the time. To to, to look at my job and say, be all these things all the time. And and I was in this season of life where all of a sudden the Lord just started to open up my heart and then he started saying like, look, Andrew, these things, they can't sustain you. They can't heal you. They can't give you hope. Andrew, I gave you all of these desires. I created you with these desires. So if I created you with these desires, then I'm the only one who can fulfill these desires. So I, I, don't, I don't know where, where you stand today, but you, you've, you've been chasing a lot of things. And, and look, you're, you're not a bad person for desiring these things. God's not mad at you. But, but I think it's time for some of you to, to shuffle your shelf. To shuffle your shelf a little bit. To, to take a um, look at your life, to, to look at your heart, to look at your soul and say, man, why does my life feel so off? Well, maybe it's because I've put Jesus at the bottom of my shelf and I need to shuffle him to the top of my shelf. Maybe I've misconstrued this whole thing. Listen, when Jesus is at the top of our lives, the focus of our lives, we are declaring to everybody and everything else who is Lord. Amen. So what needs to take place in your life in this moment? Where, where, do, you, where do you find yourself? Where, what's the thing that you've been chasing to bring the fulfillment? Look, because all, all these things, we think that this is what we want, but what we really want is what we think that they bring. We don't really care that much deep down. We don't really care that much about the money. Deep down, we don't really care that much about the job. We don't really care that much about most things that we chase. What we care about is what what we think that they bring to us. And they brought some stuff to you at some points, but these things will waste away. Treasures on earth, the moths get them. That's what the Bible says. They don't go with you. When you die, you don't pack up all your stuff. There's no U-Haul following a hearse, all right? Is Jesus Lord of your life? If not, maybe it's time for you to shuffle your shelf. Let me pray for you, Lord. I thank you so much for, man, just your, your grace, your love. I believe that you're moving tonight, Lord. We've we have prayed and prayed and prayed that you would move and that you would work in this room. And Lord, I, I am not even close to being a good enough speaker, communicator uh, to change hearts. But Lord, you are. 
Lord, maybe there's someone in here, they haven't listened to a word I've said, but they just feel deep down inside their heart and their soul that you're calling them to more. A couple questions in here, this just resonated with you. And you're like, Andrew, man, the second you started talking about, the, when, you, when you said to ask the question, what or who is Lord of my life, I, I knew that it wasn't Jesus. Would you say, Andrew, I think it might be time for me to shuffle my shelf and put Jesus as Lord and put him at the rightful place in my life to the best of my effort. If that's you in here, would you slip up your hands so I can pray for you? Wow, yeah. Amen, amen, amen. You can put your hands down. Praise Jesus. Second question in here is, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So right now, Jesus as Lord sounds really unattractive to you. But Jesus as Savior, I need that. I need a savior. I feel so lost. I feel so broken. I have chased every single thing in this life and everything has returned void. Well, can I tell you that the word of God never returns void. What Jesus Christ did on the cross will not return void. But you stand in here tonight, you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you wanna declare that you want Jesus Christ as your savior, your Lord and savior. Would you, would you raise your hand in this place maybe for the first time? Amen, amen, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. If that's you in here, you raise your hand. In your own words, just begin to talk to Jesus. Tell him that you're sorry for your sins, that you want to put your hope and your faith in him. Just begin to talk to him. Lord, I thank you so much for this place. I thank you for this ministry. God, I thank you for what all you've done and the God that you are. God, we love you, we trust you, and we choose to focus on you, worship you, and allow you to line our lives. And everybody said, amen. Young girls, would you all stand to your feet?